we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Here is off to a great start, like Cheyenne said. I think uh, none of us begin the year planning on this being a bad year. So we're all kind of in the same frame of mind that, hey, this is, this is going to be a good year, right? It's going to be a great year. Thank you very much. Um, I, I'm curious, so before, uh, before, we, uh, sorry, before we go any further, I, I do want to make a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, if, if you happen to be here for the first time, this is your first time with us, I invite you after the service, stick around. I'm going to be out in the crossing. I'd love to visit with you. Uh, for just a little bit. And the second thing is this, uh, starting next week, we're going to begin a five-week journey. Rick will be back, and we'll go for five weeks into a series called Love Languages. And, and for five weeks, we'll be taking a good hard look at what the Bible has to say about this, this thing called love and, and, and how we receive love, how we communicate love, how we understand it, all the different ways that we talk to each other through our, our love languages. So I invite you, come back, come back next weekend uh, and bring somebody with you. Now, for today, before we dive into the new year, I want to go back just, just a little bit to Christmas. I'm, I'm curious if anybody else had the same issue uh, that, that Kristen and I had this year. Uh, Christmas morning, it was great. You know, we have, we have uh, two kids, and so that means we, we don't get to sleep in on Christmas morning. They're waking us up super early, and we get up, we get our coffee, we sit down on the couch. But once we get there, like, it's... it's it's, it's pretty fun, like, watching the kids just tear into the presents and open, open everything up. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of ex- excitement. But then about, about mid to late morning, that, that dreaded question hits us. And what's funny is we're surprised by it. Even though that same question hit us last year and the year before and the year before, every year at the same time, the question, question hits us. And that's this. We look at all the presents sitting on the pile of wrapping paper, and we ask ourselves, great, so uh, where's, where's all this stuff going to go? Can, can you relate? I mean, our house is already full, and now we're adding to that all of this stuff. Where's it going to go? Now, I, I'm, I'm sure we're not the only ones that deal with that every year, but this is what I find fascinating, is how quickly we forget how quickly you forget about that problem. And by quickly, I mean like within one week, we forget about this problem. And here's what I mean. So it's, it's New Year's Day. Cheyenne's already asked you the question. What's the question everybody asks around the new year? What's the resolution? How is this year going to be better than last year? How it's going to be better, more intentional, more meaningful? You're going to grow. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Look, the, the new year, like this, this, this is going to be the year that I finally, I finally get that diet in order. Hey, this is going to be the year I finally get back into the gym. This is going to be the year I finish writing that book. Hey, this, this is the year. This is the year I finally go back to school. I finish that degree. Whatever the hope is, whatever the dream is, the new year, it's, that's the time of the year where all of us, we collectively, we unbox these suppressed desires that we have and then we put them into action. But then something happens and it usually happens somewhere around early to mid-February 
And it's responsible for crushing so many hopes, dreams, and resolutions. It's a little thing called reality. Reality hits and here's some reality for you. Last year alone, Americans spent $397 million in unused gym membership. Let that sink in. $397 million collectively just thrown out the window on a lost hope or a lost dream. I want you to take a look at this, this cartoon. This depicts reality in a great way. Good intentions. Last about a month. Hey, ni- nice, uh, how nice a pop-up gym. And then the woman says, yeah, until January. And then we go back to being in an ice cream parlor. That's it, right? This is reality. Year after year after year. Because good intentions are never enough. The modern proverb reads this way. The road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. If, if, you're a, if you're a Bible nerd, that actually comes from some Hebrew wisdom from the, the book of Sirach. The, the, the line goes like this. The way of sinners is paved with smooth stones, but at its end is the pit of Hades. So why is it? Why are good intentions not enough? Why are they not enough to break through? Here's why. Because your life is already full. Because you're already busy. See, everybody's busy. We begin the new year excited to grow, to to do better, to acquire more, to do this, to do this, to do this. But we fail because of one forgotten principle, and that's this. If my life is already full, if my hands are already full, if my schedule is overflowing, if I'm already too busy, if my stress level is is too high, then i got to put something down before I can pick something else up. This is where we fail. We go into the new year and we take all of the baggage from the past with us. We carry everything from 2021 into the new year and then when we're there, we try to take these resolutions and put it on top of everything else that we already have and we fail. Here's something I want you to know. If you're still considering a a possible resolution this year, I want you to consider this. God has a resolution for you this year. God has a plan for you this year. God has a desire for this year to be better for you than what last year was. But first, you got to put something down. You got to put something down first before you can pick up what God has for you. Like the, the birth of a new dream, before there can be that birth, there's got to be the death of an old dream. See, the hope of Tomorrow, it rises from the ashes of yesterday. It's built on the pain of yesterday. So as you're considering the new year and everything that it it could be, I want you to consider this. God has a plan for you moving forward. But not only that, I would invite you to consider what is the thing that God is inviting you to put down, to leave in last year to keep moving forward. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the changing of seasons, the changing of the calendar, changing of the weather, the changing of of lives, of relationships, of people. And everywhere we look, we're reminded that, that change is everywhere. But today, more than ever, Father, we, we, we thank you 
for the one thing that doesn't change, and that's you, that you were the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And in a world full of change, we thank you for being the one that we can lean on, our true north, to help guide us into the future, into a future that you've designed for us, to give us the strength to endure the journey. In your son's name, amen. Hey, in your Bibles, I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 12, first book of the Bible right there at the beginning. The new year, it's, it's a good time to take a look at beginnings, and that's, that's what we get here in Genesis 12. This is the first time we're introduced to Abraham, but at this point, he's known as Abram. God hasn't changed his name yet. In chapter 12, it marks the beginning of a journey for Abram. I want to pick up there verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from, your, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I want to hit the pause button right there on that story. How many of you have read that verse before? How many of you, when you read that verse, you kept reading? You went on to verse 2 and verse 3. I did. So many of us, we, we read past that and just take it as just kind of background information. We keep going. And we miss just how important how impactful that verse is. That one verse right there could be one of the most powerful verses in all of the Hebrew Bible. See, God tells Abram to go, to leave his country. Now, this sort of thing, it happens. Not all the time, but when we hear about somebody that, that leaves and moves to another town or another state or even to another country, they go to live on the other side of the world, that sort of thing, it doesn't make front page news. It's not gonna. It happens. It happens. But you see, in Abram's day, that sort of thing never happened. People didn't do that. They, did, they, didn't, they, they pretty well stayed where they lived. People lived and they died in virtually the same footprint. And there were different ways of thinking about what it meant to be alive, what's the meaning of life, what are we doing here, all this sort of stuff. In the, in the European territory, they, they talked about life as though all of life is written in the stars. Everything happening here is just a reflection of what's going on up in the heavenly realms. And so there's no changing it. That's it. In uh, Egyptian territory, the, the Egyptian thought was that you needed to copy the patterns of the past. Copy the forefathers. Do what's been done before. The Greeks, they would tell the story of Prometheus. And they would warn about the, the dangers in overreaching. And they would say, hey, just resign to your respective lots in life. India, the thought was that the time is the ultimate killer. Don't try to accomplish anything in time where only suffering occurs. The Eastern thought was that, hey, there's no purpose in achievement. The only way to defeat time is to avoid change. And the Mayan thought was that everything is circular. Everything that's happening has already happened before and will happen again. And in the middle of all of that, all these different ways of thinking about life, that life's got no purpose, no meaning, in the middle of all of these views, God tells Abram, go, leave your country, leave your family, go forward to this thing that I'm taking you to. And the world has never been the same since. The way every one of us thinks about life, about the possibility, about what it means to be alive, changes with this one verse. You see, nobody thought this way. Nobody, nobody, nobody did this. But God tells Abram, hey, before you can go before you can find the thing that I've got for you. First, you got to leave something behind. So what about you? Have, you? have you thought, have you planned out 
any of your resolutions this year. If you have, just, just a quick side note, if you got a resolution, don't tell anybody. Keep it a secret. Maybe you tell one or two people. I know we were taught growing up that, you know, you want to tell people your goals so they can hold you accountable. Turns out that's not actually true. You actually have a better chance of, of succeeding if you don't tell everybody. But instead, you, you, you do your goal, and then you show people afterwards, hey, this is what I did. Yeah, just consider that. Keep it to yourself. But for, for all of you, what I want you to do is you're thinking about that. I want you to wrestle with this question in your notes. What do I need to put down before I can pick up what God has for me? As you, as you think about the new year, have you thought much about this? Have you thought much about, okay, what are the things that I need to walk away from moving forward? Now, for some people, that's, that's an easy thing to, to answer. If we, if we struggle with addiction or toxic relationships, like that, that's an easy question, of course. Those are the things I need to walk away from, clearly. But for a lot of us, sometimes that question is not so black and white. It's not an easy thing to answer. Sometimes the question is more like, okay, I've got these 10 good things they're all good, but which one of these good things is the right thing that God has for me right now, and which one of these good things do I need to put down and walk away from to get what God has for me? I want you to hold on to that question. I want to go on to the next verse where we left off there in verse 2. God says to Abram, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. In your notes, number one, God wants to bless you, period. That's it. Now, some of you hear that and you say that that could be the most obvious thing I've ever said, and maybe it is. But some of you actually need to hear that again. God wants to bless you. It doesn't matter who you are. If you struggle with that, if you don't believe that, I want you to consider this. Consider this. You're hosting a heartbeat, right? That means God has given you life. If God has given you life, God doesn't give life just to create the opportunity for suffering. Like Jesus says in John 10, he said, look, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says, hey, I'm not like the thief. My father, he's not like the thief. Look, you're here. We're here with you. Not for the sake of suffering, but in spite of the suffering, in spite of the pain, the grief, all of the challenges that you encounter, in spite of all of that, nothing can keep us from giving you your blessing. Might I suggest somebody this year, the thing that you need to put down is that lie that God is against you. The lie that God is out to get you. If that's who you are, if that's what you're holding on to, before you can do anything moving forward, the first thing you got to do is you have to put that down and you got to bury it and you got to walk away from it. Some of my favorite people to spend time with, some of the people that have the most impact on me are the ones that have been to hell and back because of tragedy. And throughout the entirety of their journey, they're holding on to that promise, and they don't let it go. I have a, a good friend, a really good friend. He's a good man. He's a faithful man. Every morning, 
without fail, every morning, the first message I get on my phone is a prayer from this man. Every morning. Unfortunately, he's had to endure quite a bit of tragedy this year. Just recently, he's had to deal with the death of a daughter and a father-in-law, all within a short amount of time, right around the holidays. If anybody had a reason to feel like God was against them, it would be this man. If he came up to me and said, Chris, I, I don't understand what I've done to upset God. I don't know why he's doing this to me. If he said that to me, I wouldn't agree with him, but I'd get it. I don't, I'd understand. But guess what? Throughout this entire journey, guess what promise he's still holding on to? The belief that God wants to bless him. And guess what? Every morning, the morning after his daughter passed away, I get a message on my phone, and it's a prayer from this man. The day after his father-in-law dies, I get a message on my phone, and it's a prayer from this man. This morning, as I'm getting prepared for services this morning, I, do, I get a message, and it's a prayer from this man. If you ever doubt about the blessing of God, if you ever feel like it's so overwhelming that God must be out to get you, I invite you to find people like this man, spend time with him, and ask some questions about how did you get through it? And what they'll tell you is this, I never lost that promise. No matter what, I remembered that God wanted to bless me and remembering that and holding on to that promise that was the very thing that got me through the tragedy that I was dealing with. Now for Abram, God's blessing, it was something that he had to go and find, but first he had to leave behind everything that he knew. You see, sometimes God will do this to shake up our perspective. Sometimes we, we, we have a hard time seeing the thing that God is, is taking us to because our, our current view, our current perspective, it, it blinds us. We can't see it. So God's got to take us to another place and say, look, see, that's what I got for you. Sometimes God will do that just, just because we need a change of mental or spiritual scenery. Sometimes he does that just so that we can get a little uncomfortable so we can start to really understand what, it, what does it mean to be completely reliant upon God. I got, a, I got an email. Me and my, my friend Dave, who's a fellow pastor at another church, we, we received an email from somebody. And they were, they were they're not a member of this church, but they were, they were expressing some theological concerns they had. And one of them, one of the issues that they had, it had to do with baptism. What's the proper way? To administer baptism is it sprinkling pouring or is it immersion what's the right way to do it i'll be honest and I, I'm, I'm sorry if this offends anybody here i, I don't really care I, just, I don't care either way pouring or sprinkling and the reason why is as i'm getting that email i'm getting another email as well and on this email it's the prayer request email that we get every week, and I'm reading through it, and I'm looking at all of the suffering and all of the pain, all of the, the grief, the tragedy. I think about all of these people and all of the things that they're dealing with. And I ask myself, why? Why would I want to spend any time discussing the trivialities of pouring versus immersion? And so this is what we did. We, we responded back. We, we said, we invited the person. We said, hey, tell you what, love to visit with you. And we invited them to come up and serve. Come up and serve with us at True Worth. We said, hey, come and serve the homeless community with us. 
And while we're there, that's when we can have that conversation. And here's why. Because sometimes when we're asking questions like this, one of the best things that we can do is change our perspective, change our scenery, remove ourselves from our safe, secure, insulated worlds. A place where, hey, last night it got, man, it got really cold. This morning, super cold. But how many of us, all we really had to do was just hit a couple of buttons and problem solved. We're okay. Sometimes we have to take, take ourselves to a different vantage point, a place where problems of, of the weather are not easily solved just by hitting a couple of buttons, a place where people truly understand what it means to suffer day after day, to, to live in an uncertain way. Because when we do that, when we, when we serve in this way, we change the scenery, we change the perspective, I think, I think we get a better idea about what God is doing through baptism, through communion, through any of our theological devices, at the heart of all of it is this. God wants to bless you, period. That's it. That's the point. And through baptism, we allow the water to wash away everything that's holding us back so that we can then go forward into the future that God has taken us to. May I suggest one of the things that maybe we need to put down to move forward is all of our theological and religious entrapments, the things that hold us back, the things that keep us caught in these unnecessary conversations that keep us distracted from doing the very thing that God is calling us to do, and that's to serve. So I want to pick up, I want to pick up there, right where we left off there, verse 2. God says to Abram, he says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. In your notes, number two, God blesses you so you can be a blessing to others. See, I think this is something many of us miss in our prayer life about the blessing of God. God, bless me, bless me, save me, restore me, forgive me, redeem me. And then we stop. That's, that's, we put an amen at the end of that sentence, and we're done, and we go on about our lives. But you see, here, God doesn't even give Abram a chance to say that kind of prayer. He tells Abram, just, just to make sure there's no mystery behind the why of his blessing. He tells Abram, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to others. See that prayer, you know, Father, Bless me, forgive me, heal me, restore me, redeem me. Like all of those prayers, they're great prayers. They're prayers that we need to pray routinely, but the prayer doesn't stop there. The prayer keeps going. God, bless me in a way that I haven't seen before so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. God, heal me, help me so that I can go and help somebody else. Father, redeem me, forgive me, restore me, so that when people hear about my story, they understand a bit more about your grace, about your mercy. I'm curious, of all the resolutions in the house, and don't raise your hand, but I'm curious, if, if, if we were to take a poll, I wonder, how many of these resolutions are for the benefit of just yourself? Like you you, you want to get physically fit this year? Hey, that, that's great. That's great. Why? Why do you want to get physically fit? 
You want to learn a new instrument. You want to take up a new hobby. You want to read more. Hey, that's great. Why? Why do you want to do those things? You see, the thing with resolutions, most of them are great ideas. They are. Nobody goes into the new year saying, hey, you know what? This year, I think I want to drink more. I think that's what I want to do. Nobody says that. Nobody says, hey, you know what? This year, I want to sink further into addiction. That sounds like a good idea. No. Tell you what, this year, this year, I'm going to be creative at finding new ways and destroying my life. That's what I'm going to do. We don't say these things. We don't set out to do that. But so many of us, that's exactly where we find ourselves. Why? Why do we continue to struggle with, with addiction, with debt, with destruction? Because we can't handle the disappointment that we feel when we fail yet again at trying to create a new life when we fail at trying to fix the problems of last year just by trying harder this year. Here's a, here's a tip. Making this year better than last year, creating the, the better you, it doesn't happen simply by trying harder. It, it just it didn't cut it. It happens when you understand and you have a meaningful why behind your goal. When, when you understand that God's desire is to bless you so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. You see, it's a lot easier to give up on a dream when it only affects you. When the why behind your goal, it's a selfish why. Because the moment it gets difficult, you'll just say to yourself, well, well who cares? What, is it, what does it matter if I quit drinking? What, is it, what does it matter if I get out of debt? What does it matter if I stop destroying my life? Who really cares? But when you understand this reality that God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others, you understand that it doesn't just affect you. You understand that your life matters. It matters to you. It matters to God. It matters to everybody around you, even if they don't know it yet. Consider this. How many people in Abram's day at this point knew that his life mattered? Nobody. None of them knew. But because of his faithfulness, they were about to find out. See, God tells Abram, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to others. Your life matters. It matters not just to you, not just to me, but in verse 3, it matters to every family on the face of the earth. Your life matters to everyone. And so when the journey gets difficult, you lean in. You remember that your life has purpose. It has meaning that people are counting on you. For many of you, you, you probably don't even need to change your resolutions based on this. Maybe it's something as simple as, okay, God, this is what I want for this year. Is this the thing that you got for me? And if so, if this is what you have for me, how can we use that to help somebody out? See, this is, this is how the blessing of God works. God comes to us, as he always does, and, and he just freely pours his blessing. Because that's what God does. And he does it routinely. But he does it so that we can allow it to flow through us to be a blessing to somebody else. 
But then something happens. The unexpected. Tragedy. And when our life is out of control, what's the first thing we do? We hunker down. We close ourselves off. And we hoard the blessing of God because we get afraid. We start to doubt how much of God's blessing he has left. We start to think that, man, that's it, that's it. And we forget that we serve an unlimited God, an infinite God with infinite blessing. We're worried that if we give everything that we've got away, what's going to happen to us? We doubt God's ability to take care of us. Or maybe, maybe what we do is this. We start to forget about where this came from. We start to pat ourselves on the back and say, look what I did. And we forget that all good things come by the blessing of God. And we start to look down at these people and say, hey, you take care of yourself. I took care of myself. Eventually, what happens in this scenario, the blessing of God? Eventually, we run out of room. We run out of the capacity to receive any more blessing from God. We cut people off from receiving blessing through us. Our life is no longer a blessing to anybody else. And eventually, the blessing, just like this water, is going to do one of two things. It's going to evaporate or it's going to become stagnant. It's going to become a breeding ground for bacteria. Everything that God gives us, he gives us not so that we can hold on to it. He gives it to us so that we can move it forward. The food and the water that we drink, he gives it to us so that it will strengthen our body so that we can then go and serve the mission. The financial resources that God gives us, he gives it not so that we can hoard it, but so that we can put it towards the mission so that we can serve God. Everything, the rest that God gives us at night is so that we can wake up restored, renewed, ready to go serve yet again. Everything that God gives us is meant to flow through us, not to be hoarded. I want to go back to verse 3. I want to point something out. God says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. In your notes, God's blessing doesn't keep you safe. He tells Abram, hey, look, this thing that I'm calling you to go do, it's, it's never really been done before. People are going to think you're crazy. People are going to talk about you. They're going to say funny things about you. They might even do some harmful things to you. They might disown you. They might dishonor you. Expect it. Don't be surprised when it happens, because if you don't, it's going to discourage you. It's going to make you doubt the thing that I'm calling you to go do. You see, the blessing of God, it was never intended to create safety. It was never about that. This runs counter to so many of the things that we desire, the things that we create and try to search for ourselves. We desire things that create safety. But the blessings of God, like there's nothing safe about the blessing of God. The blessing of God is the calling of God. You see, when God calls you, he's not calling you to a life of safety. He's calling you to a life of purpose and meaning. And a, a life of purpose and meaning, they come at the cost of playing it safe. If you don't believe me, consider these people. God calls Moses. Then Pharaoh sends an army after him. God calls Deborah, and then she's got to go battle a Canaanite army. 
God calls David, and then Saul tries to kill him multiple times. God calls Jeremiah, and then the people he sent to warn, they try to kill him. God calls Peter, and then Peter's crucified upside down by Emperor Nero. God calls Paul, and Paul dies in a Roman prison. Consider for a moment the entirety of the Hebrew-Jewish story throughout the generations. God's chosen people, yet all the persecution they've endured. The calling of God, the blessing of God is not a calling, it's not a blessing of safety and security, but here's the good news. It's worth it. Look, if you got to choose between a life of safety and a life of purpose, I hope you choose a life of purpose because how boring is a life of safety? How pointless is a life of safety? Every morning I, when I take my kids to school, I say a prayer over my, I take Ava to school and I say a prayer over her. And then I go home, I pick up Aiden, I take him to school, I say a prayer over him, and then I drop him off. The prayer I used to pray was this, God, keep them safe. That used to be my prayer. But I don't pray that way anymore. This is how I pray. The last thing I say to both of them before I let them out the car, I say, God, help them to be strong, kind, and wise. Because that's how I understand the blessing of God to work. I want my kids to know that their life, it matters. That God has a plan for them. God has a plan that, that it has meaning. It has purpose. I don't want my kids to play it safe. I want my kids to know that their life matters, that God is going to use them, that God will strengthen them, that God will prepare them, that God will help them endure. What about you? What's your prayer like? The blessing of God this year for you, if you want it to be better than last year, here's how. Take a look at verse 4. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. God calls Abram. How does Abram respond? No deliberation, no questioning, no doubting, no, God, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you're calling me to go do? None of that. There was no second-guessing himself, thinking, God, is that you talking to me? Was that, is that you I'm hearing from, or did I just have some really bad meatloaf? None of that. God calls. Abram says yes. In your notes, number four, God blesses you through your obedience. When God calls, you say yes. You go where God leads because God is leading you to your blessing. And it, it doesn't matter who you are. Now, it doesn't mean that God can only bless you in your obedience. It just, it looks different in those moments. You see, <clears throat> the blessing of God in our disobedience when we rebel, it's actually the consequence of our actions. You touch the fire and you burn your finger. That's the blessing of God saying, hey, what you're doing is dangerous. You keep flirting with that fire, and it's going to burn your whole body. You see, the blessing of God in our disobedience is God's way of saving us from ourselves. But the blessing of God in our obedience is God's way of saving others through us. <laughs> it's okay. We're almost done. <laughs> My my wife does the same thing. <laughs> <clears throat> the, 
So back to the question at the beginning. What do I need to put down before I can pick up what God has for me this year? See, God told Abram he had to put everything down he'd ever known. Everything he had. What about you? What do you need to put down this year so that you can move forward? What is it? What is the thing that's holding you back? What is it? See, that's what Jesus was doing at this table. He knew where God was leading him. And so as an act of obedience, what did Jesus do? He put down his life so that he could pick up all of us. Which is why when we come to this table, we don't take communion. We receive communion. I want you to pay attention to that because this could save your life, your marriage, your kids, your family. You don't take the blessing of God. You receive it. We make a mess of our lives when we try to take the blessing from God. Because sometimes we take the blessing that God had intended for somebody else. The blessing of that woman that's not your wife. That's not your blessing. Put it down, walk away. The blessing of that man who's not your husband. That's not your blessing to receive. Put it down, walk away. The blessing of the profit margin that you're scraping just a bit off the top for yourself. That's not your blessing. Put it down, walk away. The blessing of the promotion you're trying to get in life by throwing shade at somebody else, that's not your blessing to receive. Put it down, walk away. Jesus told Matthew, put down your life of collecting taxes. Come follow me. Jesus tells Peter and Andrew, put down your fishing net. Come follow me. Jesus tells John and James, leave your boat behind. Come follow me. And he tells everybody, the one who leaves his hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So what's that plow in your life? What is the thing that keeps you looking back? You see at this table... Jesus invites us all to consider what we need to let go of so that we can receive the thing that he has for us. As he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken, my body that I freely put down so I can pick you up. And at the end of the supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood that I freely pour out, I freely put down so I can pick you up. In a moment, you're going to be invited to, to receive communion and you'll be released row by row to do that at different places. But I want you to know that I don't invite you to this table. The church doesn't invite you to this table because this is not our table. This is the Lord's table, and the Lord says anyone who wants to come gets to come. Anybody who has a desire to move forward in life, come to the table. But I do have an invitation for you, and that's this. Whatever that thing is that you're holding on to, that you know this whole morning God's been telling you, hey, this is it. This is the thing you need to let go. 
this is the time you need to let it go. I wouldn't invite you. You got it in your hand. And every step, as you get closer and closer to receiving communion, I want to invite you to consider that moment. Before you can receive, you have to open your hand to receive it, right? When you do that, imagine that thing that you're holding on to falling out. So you then have the room in your hand to receive the blessing of God. Let's pray. Father God, we say thank you for the blessing that we receive, even when we don't know it. Even in those moments, God, that we, we look back and say, God, how did we miss that you were there? But we look, we look back and we say, but surely you were there, God. Surely it was your blessing that got us through. God, thank you for those moments when you, when you serve us, when you bless us, and we don't even know that it was you. And Father, for those moments where it's just clear that your presence is with us, that it's clear your blessing is the thing that's holding us up. For those moments, Father, we say thank you. But most importantly, we, we, we thank you that you are a, a God of unlimited blessing. A God who knows us better than we know ourselves. A God who knows exactly what it is that we need and when we need it. So Father, I, I pray that you use these elements to strengthen us to restore us, to renew us, to remind us of the vision that you called us forward so that when we come to this table, when we walk away, we walk away transformed, we walk away renewed, ready to serve you in a new way, in a new year, so that when we go out into the world, what the world sees, they see changed lives, they see changed people. And they start to understand forgiveness and mercy, all of the things that you have for us, all of those blessings that you have for us. We thank you that you provide that us here at this table. And Father, we thank you for the one who makes this all possible, your Son, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.